Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 93. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, the decidedly sober Thomas Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. It is 4... Oh. Oh, it's 4.20 in the afternoon. (laughs) I I was about to say it's 4.30 in the afternoon. I looked at my clock. It is actually 4.20, but yes, we are decidedly sober because your power went out last night, so we're recording on Wednesday. Yeah, it was... uh... Out wait. for 17 hours? Wait, is today Wednesday? No, it's Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay, we're recording on Tuesday. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Yeah, <sighs> it's a mess. But Yeah, but that was a mess yesterday. All my lawn furniture was blowing all over the place. Um, it was crazy. So do you have underground power lines? Uh, no, but the area that we're in, uh, there, there, there aren't a lot of trees to like knock over. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty heavily populated. Most of the trees are being bought and sold, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're in Massachusetts now. It's, uh, maybe not anymore with the shutdown, but, um. True, true. Yeah. Yeah, man. So we've had seven straight weeks now of guests, which is clearly a record for our podcast. And this is a return to tradition, right? This is just the two of us, uh, just getting at each other's throats, probably talking about new cards. Yeah, I I can't wait to talk about the lands and sort of everything that's going on with the new cards that are coming out. It's going to be exciting. This is one of the best times ever that a set has dropped, too, because we had a super qualifier that had 216 players this past week, and it was won by death and taxes, and we're not even going to have time to talk about it. Well, I'm glad to see our boys back. (laughs) So, yeah, I think... Because we're we're also recording during the day, as you mentioned. So this is going to be my first sober episode since, I don't know, maybe three months ago. I had to go in for blood work the next morning and I didn't drink. <laughs> Do I? So I obviously I should have realized this. But last time I had blood work done, I didn't I didn't uh, abstain the night before. And they were like, we're really worried about your liver. And it was really that. <laughs> I dug in to like a beautiful bottle of bourbon and uh, and went a little too hard with it. Nice. So I had like a like a two, three week period where I'm like, wow, did I really screw up my liver already? And then the, <laughs> the follow up test was like, no, you're good. So I've uh, I've returned. Right. You probably got liver to spare. Your liver is probably uh, about I, I don't know how big a liver normally is, but I imagine yours is probably around the size of a bowling ball. Yeah, I mean, like, just take whatever everybody else's organ sizes are and just double it for me. <laughs> that's that's pretty much the yeah proportionally. So yeah, the uh, we have a time crunch. You have you have class, right? That's yeah. So, uh, so this is, I would so much rather just have my normal routines back. Like I used to envy. Everybody that worked from home that did school online or like whatever it was like, oh, wow, that's great. They don't even have to leave their house. And now that we're all forced into it, yo, it sucks. It does that suck. Line, well, it's the worst. Yeah, that line that like divides your, okay, relaxing time, home life, and work life is just gone. So I'm answering emails from kids all the time. I'm having group chats with my grad school class. I'm teaching my classes online. It's, uh, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. 
it's terrible and i've tried telling people this like i i started like a little company in 2007 and i was just hated it i absolutely hated it everybody romanticizes this idea of like having your own business and working from home and all that and it's just like it's hell it's hell on earth in my opinion so don't don't take it for granted i guess hopefully you know things are things are going to get better but it's uh it is what it is right we're all struggling yeah no i i absolutely hear you um i wouldn't i wouldn't call it hell but it's it's worse than if i was back in my regular routine for sure <laughs> yeah uh also listeners let's do listeners will notice you're not gonna hear any coughing this episode because my wife is at work right now my dog might jump up jump up a few times because we're gonna cross his dinner time but so is she is she okay like it's been you know what i'm saying like i've been i've been hearing it as i've been editing and i i didn't want to ask about it but now that now that it's brought up no if she were here she'd be coughing more but oh no yeah it's uh it is what it is i mean her immune system is uh, very compromised because she's been getting flu shots for like twenty years straight now. Oh, we're going. This is we're going down the red, the red <laughs> pill pick, path now. We're picking that... up right where we left off on our last uh, last solo episode. Oh no! All right. So the the first thing about this set that we want to talk about there's three cycles that seem somewhat relevant for Legacy. The fetchable trilands are the first big ones, right? Yep. So these are through these are the wedge colors. This set's like wedge colors. So there's fetchable trilands for bug, rug, junk, and Jeskai. So there's, you know, basically a bayou that can make blue, a taiga that can make blue, a plateau that can make blue, and a a bayou that can make white, basically. Can we please refer to them by their proper names of Saltai? to me or um you don't even know (laughs) no we can't we can't do that um these are i think these are the most exciting cards to talk about because while i don't think they're going to completely re like re-energize reform legacy mana bases i think you're going to see a lot of decks using one of these maybe maybe even two just because the opportunity cost of having a try land that's fetchable is so low that I think we're going to see a lot of these as, as a one of in those three color decks. What do you think? I absolutely agree. I think when, when I first heard about these, I heard about them a little beforehand and I thought that the cycling cost was two. So I was a little more excited, mm-hmm. but really uh, we've never had something like this before. We had the uh, murmuring Bosque, which costs life to make white or black and, always entered taps unless you had like a changeling or something like that so these are i think strictly better than like the murmuring bosque you can technically cycle them and i think that it's really relevant right now for specifically mystic sanctuary which having played some a lot of vintage in the past few weeks like i realize you know how important mystic sanctuary is and how good it can be obviously it's not as good without time walk or uh ancestral recall but Still a really good good uh, incentive to be island-heavy in these decks, right? And if you're in, like, a bug... Traditionally, bug decks have played, like, one bayou, right? If Because if you're playing spells like him or something, you want to be able to have that flexibility in your mana base. You don't see that as much with Tiger or Plateau. 
in the other colored decks, but I think that this is going to knock off a lot of the opportunity cost of playing a non-blue land for those three color pairs that now have a try land. So I really do expect these to show up quite a bit. Yep. I mean, like, the fact that they have cycling is nice, but cycling for three mana isn't going to be something that's super relevant. So when I when I saw that on the card... Um, I definitely was way less excited than the pre the the rumors that I had heard before with the exact same yeah. cards with the cycling of two. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and the one the one reason that I I don't want to say that we'll see plenty of them right away is because if you recall the uh, Horizon Canopy type of lands like Waterlogged Grove, they didn't really catch on as quickly as. I thought they would. I think you thought they would. Like, for example, the red one in Burn. You know, like, I, I thought that we'd definitely be seeing more of these. And it took a little while. And then Theros came and we got those lands like Mystic Sanctuary that sort of incentivize you to go away from them. So. what well, I mean, like, for, for the Burn case, we just haven't seen a lot of Burn lately. True, true. And we haven't really seen people try to optimize it. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say that you were... You were you and I were incorrect about that analysis. It's just like nobody's playing that that deck. I don't think there are a ton of people that are working on it, so it it didn't really matter. Yeah. So basically, you know, I, I think that these will be a little slower to pick up just based on what we saw with those other lands, like you know, silent clearing and death and taxes, or fiery islet and blue red delver, or what have you. Right. It, it didn't yep. pick up as quickly as I thought, so maybe this might not either, but. I think this I, is just a super easy slot in to yeah. where almost immediately we're going to see we're going to see it in bug decks. Uh, it depends on the sort of temp, how tempo oriented the rug decks are because I wouldn't want to play a deck like this in a rug delver shell even though uh it might be like a 19 land rug delver. I I don't know if it goes there. But like in the bug zenith in the more um, mid-rangey Bug Delver shells, I definitely see these finding a home. Or like the Strifo kind of punishing rug shells. Yep. Uh, definitely, I would say, in there it belongs. And, yeah, I think that uh, there's also this side uh, benefit, I guess, of like days and tragic lessons to a lesser degree. I've never really seen that card pop up in Legacy, but I think it's really close. Tragic Lessons to Refresh People's Memory is uh, instant for two and a blue. Draw two and then discard one unless you pick up a land. And Mystic Sanctuary is a good land to pick up that, uh, you know, is, is sort of putting that card close to playable. And these are more lands that are, you know, at least somewhat decent to pick up. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that card show up once in the next three months or whatever. Okay. Yeah, the... um. I I don't know if I would play these with days. That's true. I was just thinking so, that too. Yeah, like the it's like a sort of like dream scenario where you're like, all right, uh, I ha I'm mana flooded. Let me daze your spell, get value from it, and then cycle this three away. Like that's probably not happening, but yeah, it would be pretty rare. But we uh, yeah, we'll see. the The next. So I, I think that we're sort of in agreement because we're going to keep score again, right? Yeah. You you won last time. I'm not going to go back and listen to it. <laughs> um, but I, I, think Joe, I think Joe Dyer did, and you absolutely won. So once all of this is over, I owe you a bottle of Jameson. 
Well, are so we going double or nothing? Like half a cast. Double what? or nothing or what? Oh, man. Yeah. Fine. Ah, uh, yeah. Double or nothing. So we'll call the fetch lands, the try fetch lands a push, I guess, because I, I think the same thing as you, I think. Okay. So companions. There are four, when I looked at them, that I thought were reasonable to, to potentially show up. Uh, the, the first one is Luris, right? The, yeah. Can we all just agree that this mechanic is fucking stupid? <laughs> like, listen, it, it's probably great for standard or brawl or arena or whatever format they're making like these cards for. But this mechanic's fucking stupid. Yeah, I my first instinct was to hate it. Now I'm kind of curious about it, and I, I'm a little more hopeful than I was, but I still don't like it. Okay. The reason that I, I don't absolutely hate it as much as I did before is because they've all been spoiled now, and a lot of them are just completely unplayable under any circumstance. So, <laughs> so you feel better about it because they printed some trash ones? Yeah, to some ones basically. Like, okay, okay. So I don't feel like every deck is going to start every game with one of these now. When when I'd only seen two of them, I kind of did feel that way. But the the one that gets the most burned by a mile is this Loris, which is one Orzhov Orzhov for a 3-2 lifelink. During each of your turns, you may cast one permanent from your graveyard, and your deck can't have permanents with converted uh, mana cost over two. Yeah, I mean, I think that every LED deck except for Dredge probably plays this. No, I'm sorry, Belcher, um, Belcher. So the there are a lot of decks that play LED that this naturally fits into the sideboard. Obviously, there are some exceptions, but um, I think all of those decks are going to play one copy of this in the sideboard. Yeah, and we had uh, our former guest Alex McKinley write an article today on uh or maybe it was yesterday on the epicstorm.com about some of the card choices specifically uh wishclaw talisman and how echo of eons uh has incentivized you to play permanents anyway and how this sort of fits into the greater plan and i was he, he saw a few angles that i didn't even see with the card and i'm really sold on it now is you know fitting the plan and just having a three two lifelink that you essentially just always draw for free. I mean, you know from playing Batter Skull, like 3-2 Lifelink can swing the math in so many cases, right? Like, it, it's, it shouldn't be neglected as a body. Yeah, I think that... It, I I don't know. I, I think that it kind of... It kind of can. Because this isn't like a super valid plan B for the decks that are going to be playing it. They're sort of all in on the combo anyway. I think that maybe you can find some dream scenario where, wow, you had this 3-2 three, two, three, creature and it like bought you a turn, so you're going to be fine. But um, I, I, I think the the fact that it's a 3-2 body with lifelink and it's going to save you in certain matchups is like, I don't know, kind of a stretch for the decks that are going to play it. Yeah, I think that there's been a lot of times where it's not ideal, but I've ended up in these spots against Tess where I'm like, well, I can go all out balls to the wall this turn and deal this amount of damage and keep them off an ad nauseum because they'll be like at six life or something. So their ad nauseum will probably kill them. 
and this you know if they can cast this on before that turn it really fucks that math up so i'm just feeling like it you know it can really buy them turn or a, a turn or whatever in that scenario i don't know man we'll, we'll see i guess because the deck has changed a lot since then too like the yep. echo plan and everything also hope of gear was another thing that brian and alex have brought up recently and i think really belongs uh in the conversation because you can just you know basically lock people out with that combo yeah and that was a card that was playable before this was printed so yeah. it just like accentuates the benefit that that card was giving them yeah absolutely so the the next one and these next three are in no particular order it's mm-hmm. sort of sort of just like what colors are people gonna play kahira is one celestia celestia each creature in your deck has to be a cat elemental nightmare dinosaur or beast 3-2 Vigilance, and each other creature you control gets plus one, plus one, has Vigilance. Yeah, I see this as a zero. Like, the the ability, great. Like, it's, it's it would be a great card if the, the creature types were just better. Like, Elemental is the only one that's possibly doable for Legacy. And, I mean, maybe somebody's going to shoot us, like, an angry email, like, no, sir. My cat deck consistently beats my friend, but <laughs> um, but I don't see it. Well, I really am partial to Elementals, first of all, so that that was one angle I was looking at. It was like the Risen Reef Voice of Resurgence deck that we've seen Joe yep. Dyer and Nate Golia fuck with in the past, and I've talked to them about it, but the other angle for this is just having no creatures in your deck. So if you're in a creatureless deck... And let's say you're green and not black or white, so you can't play the cat we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Would you play this in lieu of another sideboard card? Just a 3-2 Vigilance for 3 that you didn't have to pay a card for. Basically just start out in your opening hand at the cost of a sideboard slot. No. Because no? If, like, if you were creatureless to begin with, mm-hmm. you're probably leveraging some cards that like will deal with your opponent's creatures you might have sweepers you might just be playing i don't know some sort of combo deck that doesn't care about the board i i just i don't see it i don't see it at all i can't really think of that deck now that i'm trying to put my mind to it like i was thinking about i don't know i, I can't really come up with it right now so i may i kind of inclined to agree the next one is Zerda, which is one Boros Boros for a 3-3. Each permanent card in your starting deck has an activated ability, act, has to have an activated ability, and activated abilities cost two less. And then it okay. has one one in tap, target creature can't block this turn. I really like this card. I don't know if it's going to be competitive in Legacy, but there are so many things that you can do with um, the, the mana rocks that untop themselves, like... Grim Monolith, Basalt Monolith, you, yep. uh, you have, um, um, you have Walking Ballista, and those shells are ready, and this just makes Ballista better. I um, I don't know how the mana is gonna work in those shells. I guess you can have it like base red, and you can, um, you can play things like Welder, um, but I yeah I. I don't know whether or not this is going to be good enough, but it's exciting and I like this card. 
Yeah, the first thing I thought of was Painter, but it doesn't work because of Painter itself, right? Right. So you can definitely play like a red-white welder shell, right. and you can change up some of the combos. Um, yeah, but but you, you can't play Painter Grindstone. Yeah. It made me really think about activated abilities, you know, because it's not something you really think about, like what which cards have activated abilities, which don't. So is that the only deck you can think of is like... Uh, like a a red sort of mana rock deck or possibly like a uh what we, what we usually thought of as sort of like a uh a post deck i guess that would splash for white or red like the deck where this would fit yeah those were the two that came to my mind immediately there are some other like really corner cases but those two shells that you said were what i was thinking about when i saw this cool yeah, the, the big problem with this card, in my estimation, is Thalia, Chalice, and Blood Moon are typically the cards that would go in these sort of decks, and none of them can play with this card. Yep. But, you know, maybe this is good enough that it, it opens up some other space, especially if you can cheat this out early yeah. you know, on turn two and, and go infinite. So the, the good thing about this, right, is you always have access to it. Right. So you don't have to worry about like your card selection or whatever you're doing in that red-white shell. The other good thing about those shells is that your combo pieces are redundant. So you have at least, and there are probably more, eight of those um, mana rocks that go infinite with this. Okay. So like you, you have a very high chance of being able to put your combo together. The problem is, like, your interaction and your ways to stop your opponent from, like, messing with your combo are really limited because everything in your deck has to have an activated ability. So you can't play counter spells. You can't play no, defense only grid. permanence. Oh, okay. Well, you can't play defense grid. You probably weren't going to play counter spells anyway. Right. But, um, but yeah. All right, and the last one is... Gierda. I never would have even looked twice at this card, but we had Joe on last week, and he was very excited about some sort of clone deck. I was half paying attention, but we talked about World Gorger a little bit, mm -hmm. and that sort of caught my fancy as a possibility with this card. It's for Demir Demir. For uh, th this card, you can only have even mana cost in your deck, and... Apparently, there's going to be a, a sort of a glass cannon combo deck out of this uh, in some iteration because I've seen enough people talking about it now that I, I believe at least people are going to try it. Yep. Won't be me, but... I mean, I think that um, people are going to try it. I don't think it's going to be better than the other glass cannon decks that are in Legacy because, like, Belcher's not a terrible deck. So if you're if you're trying to be a glass cannon, you need to be better than the other glass cannon shells. Right. And I don't know. Agree. Yeah, I don't know if this is it. So yeah, big agree. That's why the only the only way I could really see it was World Gorger. But uh, yeah, one I think thing World, I want World Gorger might just be fine enough on its own. I don't know if World Gorger wants to play like like some sort of Lion's Eye Diamond shell where the Lion's Eye Diamonds only work with this one card in the sideboard and like. Um, you, you lose a lot of your one cost things when you're, yeah. when you're trying to do that. You lose all your discard. It's, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm not sure. Gotcha. So one thing before we got off companion that I wanted to ask you is what do you think about Luris 
uh, in Delver, for example, like uh, just as like an extra sideboard threat, like a Grixis or or uh, or Bug or whatever Delver deck. Where do you think that it's worth? The, the, any iteration would be worth playing this card in your sideboard and foregoing threes and and larger such as oko true name a lot no no absolutely not no no like the format has just revolved around oko for a while now right it's one of the best cards in the format for a reason and to say all right we're not going to play angler or true name or oko or anything anything else that's three or more i think is just handicapping you and you're like oh man i can cast this card for for free i start with eight cards in my opening hand but one of them is this like it's a three two lifelink for three that's not even that's not even good no you can you know get the value off casting stuff out of your yard would be the the main incentive like you know rebuying dreadhorde arcanist or something but i i do agree for the record that i i don't expect this to just show up yep yeah i think i I just i think the other cards are better yeah and so the last cycle this is this is less exciting but there is a cycle of mythic legendary mutate creatures that are in the wedge colors and they have the word apex in their name and six point font on their creature type line somebody somebody pointed out that the color schemes of each of these match the color triad that they're from i thought that was really cool what do you mean the art yeah so when you look at the actual picture the jeskai one is actually like the the picture is red white and blue and if you look uh, at all of the other ones they're all the same yeah okay well interesting you should talk about the red white and blue one because that's the only one that really i think is worth discussing it's uh vadrock it's a three three flying first strike so it's kind of like a mantis rider but doesn't have haste without haste but yeah when it mutates you can mutate it for some permutation of its casting cost it's like one azorius red red or vice versa yeah it's it's double red yeah yeah and when it mutates you can cast a non-creature uh spell from your graveyard with three uh converted mana cost or less so basically you can get back oko or teferi yeah or or a stoneforge mystic can i interest you (laughs) no i i yeah it's it's value it's like a savin's reclamation right what's that it's like Savin's Reclamation, kind of. Sure. Attached to a 3-3 flying first strike body, which is actually like, it's relevant. If it was 3-4, I would like it a lot more. Well, the thing is, if... you have to mutate it, though. You, you can't just cast it. Oh, yeah, I understand. So you need to put it onto another creature. Yeah, you need to put it onto another non-human creature. So that makes it kind of weird. But like, if you're playing Oko, you probably have Elks, right? Yep. <sighs> or... Even if you're not playing Oko, you probably have Elks. So, <laughs> you know, you. I feel like you could probably do it easier than I think, but I don't know, man. This card is a tough one to evaluate, honestly. Yeah, like you, you get shades of, all right, well, like it's kind of like a built-in Snapcaster Mage that you can get back some permanence with. Yeah, it, it's like Blood Moon, Oko. 
back to basics, whatever. I I don't know if the shell exists for this. Um and I don't know if the shells that would be getting back those cards you said want to play red, white, and blue and want to have a 3-3 three, three flying for a strike. Yeah. So, I I don't know if this card's there. I'm going to give it a 1. Okay, you think this card is going to show up? I do, yeah. Do you want to give it a 2 or a 0? I'd like to give it a 0. Alright. We we're on the board. We got our first... Uh... Are you gonna are you gonna make a note? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And when are we checking these? It's the first month. No, the next set review. Oh, okay. Yeah, I say zero. All right. So the other one that is the next closest to playable, I would say, is two green, white, black for Nethroi, which is a five-five death touch lifelink. When it mutates, return ten power from your graveyard to the battlefield. And it mutates for like seven, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's, it's either six or seven, but it's some permutation of junk mana. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you could say, wow, this card's this card has a has an okay rate and a super crazy ability. You might want to see one in a in a veteran explorer Nick Fit shell. I that's that's the only thing that I can think of. But I would go zero for this card too. Yeah, I'm gonna go zero as well, but. I do think that it's worth considering in those decks like uh, Enchantress, Nick Fit, etc. It's just that those decks aren't good enough. I just think that like as a sideboard card against sweepers like Dead of Winter, Supreme Verdict, not Terminus obviously, but this is like the perfect rebuild card for your big-ish mana creature deck. But I just don't think that those decks are very good. Yep, I completely agree with you. So, yeah, that's the cycles. We've really only weighed in on one card, so not not terribly exciting. I think that a lot of it is, is pretty self-explanatory, I would say. Yep. Now, did but, you think that Kahira was going to see any play at all? Or did we both agree that was going to be a zero? Wait, no. T- oh, oh, Kahira. Yeah, the, uh, the, the cat partner. Yeah, no, I couldn't think of a deck that, okay. that was... Uh, that met the criteria that I'd established. So, okay. In the absence of any reason to think it'll, oh, oh, the elemental deck, but that's not going to top eight. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, so the individual cards, we've got Kinnon Boner Prodigy, which is a legendary human druid for green and blue. And whenever you tap a 9-land permanent for mana, add another of the same type, and then you can play 5 green-black, look at the top 5 cards of your library, and put a non-human creature onto the battlefield. Is it 5 green-black or 5 green-blue? Sorry, I thought 5, five green-blue, yep. Okay. Yeah, okay. So when I saw this card, I immediately got excited. But more because there's a cube deck that I love to draft... Where this would just be nuts in. <laughs> and playing playing opposition mana dorks in Legacy isn't something that's completely <laughs> beyond like the scope of what's going on. Yeah, I you're mean, right. Pi- Pioneer banned the stupid ley line that does the same thing, right? Yeah. Like the green ley line that made all your mana dorks produce too. Correct. This does the same thing. It's lined up in the color pair to be able to play 
a bunch of mana dorks in opposition. You still have the blue cards that you can play alongside of it. Um, you have Oko and Euro, and just this card lines up to actually work. So, yeah, and if you recall around GP Bologna, we were talking about opposition seriously. Like it showed up a couple times. I I like this card, and I I would be willing to give it a number. I don't know what that number would be. Yeah, this is tough, man. So we're talking about premier events. So basically, the, in the next twelve big events, like challenges or or larger, I guess maybe there'll be thirteen or fourteen of them because we have like the top top level event. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many decks will top eight with this card, and how many will they be playing? I if guess I, I'll... if I set the over under of decks playing it at two and a half. Would you take the over or the other? Oh, yeah, I would take the over for sure. Okay. Because I think that it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be like a one-of in a lot of spots. So, like, for example, Elves is is the deck that I thought of first. They're already splashing blue a lot. Like, you see a lot of Oko Uro in Elves right now. And if you're already going to splash blue, like, this card just seems absurd. Absolutely absurd in Elves, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about existing shells that we're just going to be playing it. I was thinking more of like, if it could spawn a new sort of branch of those archetypes, because this card, like it's a card that when you look at it, it's one of those, all right, break me cards. Right. And a lot of those cards in legacy, they get people really excited to do that. And they get people working on decks to break them. So I think this is going to be another one of those, like, like white faces gets together with a bunch of other people and puts a shell together that ends up tearing up online for some time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then also there's just like the decks that I've been playing lately, which are like the Noble Thopter Foundry and the Noble Ephemerate deck, which are just like sort have, of like... Have you actually been playing those? Yeah, yeah. Those are like the Bant Post Stoneblade decks, I, I would say, because you're not really playing Stoneforge anymore, but you're still... Mm-hmm. You know, it's Oko and Uro, really, but it's it's like Noble Oko Uro. Uh, and I've been enjoying those decks, but you would absolutely play this card in those decks as a one-off. So like there, and those decks have been doing pretty well. It's not like one of those decks will show up in consecutive weeks, but like one of them will crack the challenge every week in some iteration. So I think that between those decks, elves, and like you were talking about, just like breaking it, like you can go infinite with monolith, for example, uh there there are ways to break it and it's in the the most favorable colors right now so i would say like nine i would expect nine decks in the challenge to be playing it over the next three months okay top top eight top eight of the challenge i should say i'll take the under on nine all right so get we're on the board we got two all right so the next one that has been getting a lot of burn is Sprite Dragon, which is a, a blue-red for a 1-1 flying haste with permanent prowess. So every time you cast a non-creature spell, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like it. I like it better than Storm Chaser Mage. But Storm Chaser Mage hasn't really been seen play in blue-red Delver for like, I don't know, for like a year? Yep. I I don't know exactly when everything fell off with that. I think it's better than that. I don't know if it's good enough. 
because yeah, I mean, we're, you're we're, two. Go ahead. What? Go ahead. I was about to say your two drop spell, like the blue red delver shell, just revolves around arcanist and churning those things, like churning value off of arcanist. Yeah. So, I don't know how many twos you want to be playing in that deck. So, people will try it, but I don't know if it's good enough. We've seen a lot of takes about people really excited about this card. And I just, I personally just don't see it at all, man. Like, I, I understand it's a good card, obviously. You know, it's it's better than Storm Chaser Mage was. And Storm Chaser Mage was playable at a time. But, yep. like, Dreadhorde Arcanist and Young Pyromancer are so good. And this card, <sighs> what sucks about it is I think that people are going to try it. So I think it might show up and I have to give it at least a one because people are just going to bang on it. But I yeah. don't actually think it deserves the spot. So like, it, because I don't feel like that's what these games are about, right? Like, yes, this thing can spiral out of control pretty easily and get bigger than a Delver in, in one turn. Or but whatever but you were going to win those it. games anyway. Exactly. So like I, I would just always... I always look at the Delver packages like this diverse thing. Like you have Delvers going over and Pyromancers going wide and uh, Arcanist grinding the long game and, you know, true one or two true names to go through and a utility borrower or something. Like they outplay their little role. And this is just more Delvers, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I definitely think it's going to show up. I I don't like it that much. But if I was going to put a number on it, it would definitely not be zero because people will try it. All right, so I'm going to give it a two. What do you think? Uh, I will take the under. Under, I okay. I think it's just going to show up in one winning list because I think people, like it will show up, but then quickly people will figure out that it's not as good as they thought. Yep. Cool. All right. I think we're pretty close on that one, but... We'll see what happens. Yeah, it, yeah, that has the potential to like week one. Somebody plays blue red with four sprite dragons, and like the power, <laughs> the power of blue red yes. just makes everybody swap to that deck, and I get blown out. But I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah. So the next card, it's funny because I make these lists by looking at the set review and then i go look at like a couple other set reviews to see if what i missed like if i missed some cards yeah and this one i had really high on my list and nobody else was really reviewing this card which i thought was kind of strange it's dranith man magistrate it's a one in a white for a one three human wizard your opponent can't cast spells from anywhere but their hand and that that's the card that's it yeah I think I think there's a reason why it wasn't high on other people's reviews. Like, it's a one three for two, yep. and white has so many better hate bears that I I mean you could you could see this as like a one of in death and taxes sideboards that you bring in to be able to recruit her for, but is a one three against a dreadhorde deck where you want to be? No. Is it is a one three where it's just I, I don't I don't see it. So the the cards that I, I pulled out real quick were Uro, as you mentioned Dreadhorde, which you make a good case for it just getting bolted or whatever, but 
got Uro, Dreadhorde Arcanist, Snapcaster, Luris. I think Luris is really relevant because we're we're not thinking about the meta in terms of this card existing, but once this card is in Storm, that's just going to be part of almost every. You just game. rather have a you rather have a Canadist or a Thalia, like you it's will, still absolutely worse hate bear. You you'd absolutely rather have a Canadist or a Thalia, but this card is potentially like a fifth Thalia for those situations, and I think that it can be main deckable because there's something in almost every deck that this card can hit. And also, I'm not just thinking about death and taxes. I'm thinking about blue white shells because this is again an asymmetrical card where you can still cast cards from your graveyard yeah but so like you can still play your snapcasters but your opponent can't play theirs so like these blue white vile decks that we're seeing that are foregoing thalia now Mm -hmm. but playing you know three or four copies of recruiter of the guard i think this card absolutely goes in there okay i think it's too weak on its own Yes, almost every deck in Legacy, you can hit something with this. But I think a 1-3 for 2 by itself with a situational ability that it's it's super niche. And I don't think it's better than the White Hate Bears. I would give this a 0. Alright, excellent. I was waiting for you to go 0 so I could go 1 instead of having to go 2 or 3 or something. No, like I, I understand that there could be a deck that wants this. I think that there are just way better options, so I'm comfortable with a zero there. All right, this is this is good. This is uh, this is what the listeners come for. <laughs> so the next card, I'm really curious to see where you weigh in on this one. Mm-hmm. It's Fiend Artisan. It's Golgari Golgari, so it's two mana for a one one that gets plus one plus one for each creature card in your graveyard. So you know you. This is a 1-1, but effectively it's usually going to be like a 2-2, 3-3, two, two, three, three, something like that. Yep. You can pay X in a Golgari, tap it, and sacrifice a creature at sorcery speed to search for a creature with converted mana cost of X and put it onto the battlefield. Yeah, I think this card's really good. Oh, wow. I, I don't I don't think it's better than Luris. I don't think it's going to see more play than Luris. Um, but I think that it's the second most exciting card that I've seen in the set for me. Like, I don't know. I don't know how this card is going to be played, whether it's going to be like, uh, like a, a value creature that you can get off of a green sun to be able to churn through, which I definitely think I'll see play in the bug green sun shells. Yep. Um, whether or not it will sort of try to, to spark, Maybe a resurgence of some sort of infinite combo like the modern version. Um, I think there's too much graveyard hate and legacy for that to happen. But there there have been birthing pod decks popping up every so often where people are like, all right, I have this cube built and I want to play legacy. Let me see how this goes. I like what this card does. And the fact that like if you're playing sort of a like a bug mid-range shell, the... The Lurgoyf, like the sort of Lurgoyf aspect of this creature, mm. it makes it makes it kind of attractive to me. So, I think that it's going to see a lot of play. I think it's mostly going to see play as a one of in the bug decks, but those decks have been popular. Yeah. So, we have we have a long time to the next set review. Uh, I'm willing to to commit to a fairly high number for this. 
Wow. All right. Then we probably shouldn't even bid on it then because I think that you exactly echoed my sentiment on this. And there's even... Fuck. I thought... I thought. Okay. I thought you were going to be like, no, this is a zero. No. I was going to get a little check mark. I thought for sure I was going to like this card more than you. So this... Uh, this card, basically, I, I love it because it just sits in your deck, and in the right circumstance, it can be like a fucking 7-7 that you're bringing out for your Zenith and out for three, and you can just clock somebody, but... Yeah, I think all, last, last not last week, we had Joe on last week? Yeah. Alright, seems like such a long time ago. We were talking about uh, this card as like a like a, a sideboard versus combo, and I said that, that just Tarmogoyf clocks better, but... Overall, I, I like this card a lot. So that's probably where you were thinking that I wasn't that I wasn't gonna like this card. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, basically, also there's like other applications like elves that I was thinking about where, like you know, they have a green sun package, and this is kind of like natural order if it just sits around for a turn, right? So. Oh yeah, you could just pump a bunch of mana and go get your crater hoof or exactly, um, uh, or archon. Right, so like there might be some weird situations where you don't have the mana now, but you'll have it next turn, and you can, or you can just put this out because the the game is dictated that you know you need to be able to do this over two turns or you're dead. So like I think that this could even fit in as a one of an elves in a weird situation, but that's not really why I'm keyed in on this deck. It's more for the bug decks that have been showing up all the time and one Bologna, you know, our most recent GP and et cetera, et cetera. So we'll both give this card, I guess, arbitrarily high number. Yep. Like I, I was thinking like seven. I don't yeah. know. I don't know whether or not that's reasonable. I don't have a ton of experience. Like we're not, uh, we're not so many insane plays. We don't do this all the time. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know where to set that bar, but yeah, it, I no. would set it higher than two <laughs> i think i absolutely would go higher than two and yeah i was thinking about seven or eight so we're we're on the same page uh, uh the next card is probably the next most contentious i would say which is uh ethereal forager okay mm -hmm. heavenly whale it's four blue blue with delve for a three three flyer and when it attacks you may return an instant or sorcery card that you exiled and casting it to your hand i think this card is great for budget mono blue delver shells for people who want to get into legacy yep um otherwise i don't like it i think that like people see delve and they're like oh man they printed another delve spell wizards is so stupid and then they realize it's double blue then they realize it can get bolted like it's not it's not one of the big butt delve creatures that kind of like is a mainstay in the format yep pyroblast is everywhere Yes. And you only get value from it when you attack. So there's there's also that anti-synergy with Dreadhorde Arcanist that this card is not a bad card, but I don't think it's what Legacy needs. Right. So the, I don't think that this card is playable in any Delver deck that plays red, which for the for the past few months has been every Delver deck, basically, right? Yep. So that's kind of a big stipulation, but I'm still going to go one on this card because of two things. The mono blue Delver angle that you mentioned, because mm -hmm. there's always popper players that are fucking around and entering these events. And then also the uh, 
the blue white Delver S uh, sorry, Bant Delver, um, sort of unexplored permutations of Delver because I don't think that this goes in any black Delver deck or because of Gurmag Angler or mm-hmm. red Delver deck because of Dreadhor Arcanist, but I think that there there could be space for like a mono blue Delver or something like that where the, you know this card is the piece that they've been missing that makes the deck a little bit better and it was you know not not really tier two but like tier two point five and now it's tier two. Yep. So okay, I I'll go zero. Yeah. Because I I think that card availability on Magic Online is like way way more accessible than paper. And if we're talking about like local paper events, I would definitely not give it a zero. There are going to be people that throw it into a budget Delver shell and they could probably do well. Like those shells are still powerful, but uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with giving it a zero. Cool. All right. So this next card, Song of Creation, it's an enchantment for one in a rug. So four mana total. You may play an additional land each turn. Whenever you cast a spell, draw two. And at the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. I would have never looked twice at this card, but it's getting a ton of burn, so I feel like we have to discuss it. I see one shell that it could be playable in, and that's lands. Oh. Everything else, the fact that you just get completely blown out um, by by trying to keep this in play with just a, any sort of blast, like it's blue and red, I think that, that a blue land shell is the only thing that you could like reasonably say, okay, this, this card could be good in. Yeah. And that pretty much just is lands now in, in this Oko world, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I assume the, the bigger question in my mind right now is whether they're going to have red or not, because, you know, Oko is so important and obviously a lands deck's going to be green. So I, I almost, you know, I think I, gamble's too good to not play red. Yeah, usually. So, we have seen that blue-green lands deck with standstill pop up quite a bit, but it, it seems like it's not really catching on. It's just one player doing really well with it. So I yep. think that uh, I would expect most lands decks to be rug at this point. And I did. Th- I thought of lands too, and I was actually looking at this card when it came out on the legacy subreddit and somebody was like lance doesn't want this oh that's crazy and uh, yeah a lot of people agreed with that person so i was sort of assuming that you know maybe there was something that i missed but what i was thinking was discard your hand seems great like yeah just been you know you use your uh life from the loam two or three times in a turn and just bin it at the end like who cares right and this is just another exploration effect, like your your you know for your potential second exploration or third exploration or whatever. Yeah, and so, the fact that you can you can dredge twice. Yeah, exactly. Off of off of the casting of the spell, it's if this is in play for lands, you can you can start a really really powerful engine, and if you're paying the four mana for it, you can loam twice in a turn. Uh, just everything about this screams lands to me. And is is Pyroblast really a card that you want to bring in 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 a matchup against lands post board? Is that is that how you want to attack it? So Not I think the unless, fact that yeah, go ahead. I think the fact that like lands is a deck where you don't want to bring blasts in against um, is is more of a benefit for this card than it would be if you tried to play it in like a 
like a rug mid-range shell. Right, yeah. No, I definitely don't see this card playing in any sort of mid-range shell. The the two poles, I guess, for this card are lands and some sort of like a combo Omni thing, like where you, where you sort of go off. But I don't actually see I think that. Omni has enough of that already. Yeah, I don't actually see that side. So do you want to give this card a one? I will give that card a one. If you're going to go zero, I will go one. I'm going to go zero. Uh which which really I kind of want to go, you know, 0.5, which is effectively zero, because I do think that you could be right about this, but I'm going to go officially zero. Yeah, and the only deck I'm thinking about is lands. I think I think one is reasonable. Sweet. All right, so the next card of one mind, this is actually our, uh, what's it called, invitational card, right? Yeah, this is our official Watsi preview card. Yeah, so... It's divination. So, can we rewind to the beginning of the cast where I called the companion <laughs> mechanic fucking stupid? Yeah. Listen, I know nobody's listening from Watsi, but if we ever get a preview card, we are like Michael Bloomberg's campaign. We're <laughs> on board with you. 100%. Um, I just want to float that idea out there. Bro, we'll sell out faster than toilet paper in a suburban <laughs> grocery store. <sighs> Do we really need to talk about this card, though? I don't think so, man. This card looks terrible to me. Yeah, why is it on the list? I don't know, because it was getting a ton of burn. Like, uh, people, everybody was talking about this card, and I don't know. I, I just, like, you have to have a human and a non-human creature in play for this to cost one mana. So, like, it, it's just a draw to. Like, is it... Uh, this, I, I, okay. I don't see so, the, limited, do see limited resources evaluates their cards in, like, a... Like a sort of like a Punnett square. Like or, or sort of early game, late game, ahead, behind. Yeah. Just best case, right? You have a board that has a human and a non-human and you pay one blue to draw two and you're like, yeah, this is great. But it's not great. It's, it's good. It's not great. And mm-hmm. if you're behind and you don't have a human and a non-human and you draw this card... You're like, why the fuck did I ever put this card in my deck? Yep. It's a zero. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you're on board with that because I, I really didn't like that card. The last card I also haven't seen get much burn. It's Riel the Everwise. One blue red for an 03 legendary human wizard. It gets plus one plus zero for each instant or sorcery card in your graveyard. And whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. I didn't really see this card getting talked about, but I am going to give it a one, absolutely. I wish you went the other way. I also would have given it a one. Ooh. I don't know if I would give it a two. Hold on, let me think about it. All right, then I'll give it a two. All right, then I'll go under. I I think that this is going to be a zero or a one. I would be comfortable saying one. But I think that it's too fragile for for what it's trying to do. And the LED echo looting shells are all developed enough to where they don't want to put this creature in their deck. So I think it's going to be a zero or a one. But I'm leaning more toward one than zero. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think that there's... You know, Dak Faden, Faithless Looting, all that stuff that we, we've seen, like, Strifo play. 
uh-huh. that turn that turns this card into you know just ridiculousness. There's the echo LED combo angle for this card. And there's just the general protection against discard if you're in like a combo strategy that this card offers. And it can potentially be a threat, right? Like you could have 10. It could be a 10-3 for three. Uh, that's not why you're playing it, but it, it, you know, it can end games. So it's not irrelevant. I just, I think that this card is going to be enticing to enough people that they're going to throw one in their deck, which okay. is, you know, really I'm counting on the Brewers up for this one. And uh, I, I do I do really expect to see it pop up. And maybe not stick around, but at least pop up. Okay. All right, man. We're making good time because we're not drinking, right? Yeah, I realize I swear a lot more when I'm not drinking. I've said the F word like many times this cast already. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think I need a beer. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually had one shot at this point, but uh, the the this is the jank category. So I hope I'm not giving any cards ones here, but I I'm not positive. So Yadaro the Wandering Monster for five red red is an eight eight legendary dinosaur with trample and haste. So eight eight trample haste. Yep. But it cycles for one in a red, and when it cycles, you shuffle it back in your library like a green sun zenith. Mm-hmm. And once you've cycled a Yadaro four times, you put it onto the battlefield instead of shuffling it back in your deck. Yeah, I hate that you have to sort of keep track of this. Yes. I, I don't think that you're ever going to have to keep track of it in Legacy. But there's a lot of stuff now that like adds more layers to what you need to, yep. t- to keep track of when you're playing a game. I-, I think the design on this is cute. I don't think it's Legacy playable. So the reason that I that I'm mentioning this card is I don't think it's legacy playable either. But I can I always like cards like this. Like I always pick them up when, once they've cratered to like twenty five cents or whatever, because someday something will happen where this card breaks. Right? Like I I don't know what the specific scenario is. It's like Hogak, right? And Hogak wasn't a card that existed for a long time. It was a card that was added and it was broken. But there, there's other examples I'm sure we could come up with where a card just sits around for a long time and then all of a sudden something else breaks it, right? And this is that yep. kind of card where it does something unique that uh, will someday be exploitable by some weird thing that they're not even thinking about in relation to this. Okay, I can see that. I wouldn't... Obviously, it's unique. Yeah. I... I... And they print crazy things all the time. Um, but I I wouldn't want this card. Yeah, I wouldn't want this card. Yeah, it's clearly a zero, but I just felt like it was worth mentioning. Okay. The, the next one... This is going to be like your favorite draft card. Yeah. Call of the Death Dweller, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yes, a- dude, absolutely. So the reason this card is on here, I'll tell you right now, is I've been playing Pauper for the past week. And... Yep. I never thought I would play Popper. I was opposed to the idea, morally opposed, really, as, as a libertarian. I, I just hate the, the concept of Popper. It makes me <laughs> disgusted. But my friends, you know, the the more hickish friends that I have around here, out, out in the burbs, out, out in the, the exurbs, let's say, I've been... Uh, playing on moto because we don't meet up anymore we like we used to meet up at the bars all the time and play old school 
and they got into Moto, which I never would have guessed. I didn't even know they had computers, but they got into Popper on Moto for you know somehow some way, and they're fucking loving it. So I built Popper decks on Moto, and I've been loving it too. Like there's no Planeswalkers. There's just good honest magic, bro. And okay, un- okay. <laughs> Unearth is like my favorite Popper card. And this is two and a black for double unearth, but the total CMC of the cards has to be less than three still. Yep. And you give one of the, you you get one death touch and one menace counter. You can distribute them any way you want. So you can give one of the creatures death touch, death touch and menace, or you can spread Stack them, them out. Stack them on both. Yep. Um, so Delver, right? I mean, like, sure. That that's like the dream scenario, right? right. You're like Grixis Delver. And you get your first two creatures, like your Delver gets bolted, your Arcanist gets chain lightning. And you're like, ah. And instead of drawing your painful truths out of the exactly. sideboard that you, you so hate to, to draw, you cast your Call of the Death Dweller and give your Arcanist menace and your Delver death touch. Exactly. And you're like, yes. Exactly. <gasps> it's a zero. I'm getting it a one. I, I, <laughs> okay, you, I'm okay. You you've you've uh, tilted <laughs> me into giving it a one. This card, man, like uh, it, it, I, I, as soon as I saw it on the list, I was like, I know why he loves it. It's such a it's a value card, but it's so situational, and it's just it's not good enough. And it's so bad against plow, and we're seeing like a big uptick in plow actually that I think maybe tracks back to honorog changing the mana colors in the snow deck but it and uro the just the existence of uro and how you need plow to beat uro is is a big part of that too so basically this card's a lot worse when the the removal is exiling rather than bolting yep uh, obviously obviously but i'm still gonna give it a one because fuck it i'll, I'll try to get it there okay I, i'm gonna i'm gonna carry this fucking <laughs> dead body over the hill so, all right, Boner's Enclave. This is a colorless land. Did you just say Boner's Enclave? What is it? Bonders, Bonders Enclave? The, I thought the D was silent. So, Bonders Enclave is a colorless land that taps for colorless. It enters the battlefield on tap. It's a waste, you know? But yep. three tap, draw a card if you can control a creature with power four or more. So this is just one another you know, long string of utility lands that have some variant of this effect, right? Uh, zero. Zero, yeah, absolutely. But someday... I mean, there are other colorless utility lands that are just, like, better that don't see play because they're really hard to squeeze in. Yeah. So, yep. it's nice. It, this isn't a legacy card. Bro, so yeah, if you remember Seagate Wreckage, yep. I would have I given that card a one when it came out okay. if we were doing this. And that card never really showed up, so I have even less faith in this card than that one basically my logic but um if library of alexandria was in legacy do you think it would see play oh okay yes it would definitely see play it wouldn't be as good as it is in vintage obviously i haven't seen it in vintage in a long time which is what made me think about this oh okay i i I think that it, it definitely would see play it wouldn't be super popular it might not be super good because legacy is really a tempo based format and sort of like playing that 
on the draw and getting a card out of it might might set you behind too much tempo wise yeah i really i'm uh, this card made me think about it and i'm like man i don't even know like well i mean in legacy right if you're sitting there with a board that has a creature of power four or more you're probably doing pretty okay and you don't want to be spending um four mana a turn just to draw a card right like it's funny the deck that where i see like library of alexander fitting in the most right now is like lance or something because you could go like draw play your library your hand back up yeah play mox diamond then draw for your turn use library again and then start the long thing going so like and you have ways to tutor for it too yeah but everything else is playing so much to the board right now that it's like I feel like it would be really difficult to keep it on. Never mind, like, you know, Wastelands and Back to Basics and all that stuff that you have to contend with. But, yep. Luminous Broodmoth. I don't even really want to talk about this card unless you think it's worth talking about. Well, I don't even know what it does. So, so I, I have to Google this because this wasn't on my list at all. Oh, it's a 3 4 flyer for uh, three and a white or two white white. So it costs four for a 3 4 flyer. Yep. And whenever a creature you control dies, if it didn't have flying, return to the battlefield with flying. Yep. Um, I think that uh, we were talking earlier about um, Fiend, Art- Fiend Artisan, right? Yep. Fiend Artisan maybe making something like a modernish, um, infinite sack deck. Yeah. It's definitely not Legacy. But I think that maybe this pairs with that. I think it's a zero for Legacy. Yeah. So we can we can just say that. All right. The the one reason that I felt like mentioning it was because it was like infinite with solemnity, and you could potentially have like a mono white chalice deck with an infinite combo, but I I don't have any faith in it. So mm-hmm. that's uh that's about where I'm at. So okay. the last card. This is this was a record quick episode, man. So Vivian's monsters advocate i can't i can't like look at this card without thinking about the game doctor's advocate the most pussy song in all of rap's history but vivian monsters advocate is three green green for a planeswalker uh that lets you have it has a static ability of you can look at the top card of your library at any time and you can cast creatures from the top of your library it has a plus one of make a three three beast with an ability that you choose of your choice and a minus two of when you cast your next creature, search for a creature with lesser mana cost and put it onto the battlefield as well. So, the minus two, first of all, the minus two made me wonder what the most broken card with suspend, creature with suspend is. Do you know? Uh, is it like giant gargantuan? Is it the 9-7 that Dredge played? Or is there a better one? No, I think that's, that's what it was. I didn't know the name of it. The like, restore balance one. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that's the name of it either, but it's uh, it's like it's like nine in a red suspense for a red, and it's a nine seven. But okay. this is a this is a five cost non creature permanent and legacy yeah. that just doesn't do great things. Right. So it's obviously not worth it for that reason. You you wouldn't put a giant gargantuan or whatever in your deck for that reason. Right. I mean, but, like. I think almost always. Uh, wouldn't you rather just have a Sylvan Library? Than this card in general? Yeah. Oh, certainly. But there's another thing that I want to talk about. 
which is Elf Ball. I don't know the history of this deck. I've only heard it talked about in hushed tones, but there's all these zeros, right? There's like Ornithopter, Memnite, all the kobolds from Legends, like these zero drop creatures, right? Sure. So let's say you have five of those zeros, a guy's cradle, and this card in your hand. Sure. Then you just spew off the top of your library until you hit another guy's cradle. And yeah, that's, uh, that's, or you could have summoners pack too. And basically, you play the other guy's cradle and cast a crater hoof and kill them. But when you cast a zero, you can't get anything. No, I know, but you can just keep casting the zeros until you hit something that you can't cast. Oh, okay. It's not like you can only cast one creature from the top. Right, right. right. You just, okay. So, like, if you have, uh, you know, just a deck full of kobolds and ornithopters and shit. Yep. It's loose. It's very loose. (laughs) Okay, yes. Yes, it is. Um, No, I, I just, I don't, I don't see this in Legacy at all. I, I think that all of those, like, all right, let's use Gaia's Cradle as a mana engine with a bunch of zeros. It's just always going to be better as, um, as like, affinity. Right. So I don't I don't see this going into a shell like that either. So um, it's cute. The real problem is it starts with three loyalty, too. So it's like you can't even really protect it. And you have to get to your next turn to be able to do anything broken because you're still casting creatures for mana and you know you've already used your land drop to, to play no it but and... your your protection is like the four memnites and the ornithopter that you played to be able true, to cast true, it. true. yeah, yeah if you, you, if you, you tick this up right if you tick this up then it's out of lightning bolt range too yeah all right so <laughs> i just need i need you to google this card real quick okay checkpoint officer that definitely wasn't on my list either uh no just googling mtgo card okay um all right limited limited staple do you see the art though uh yeah it's a dude with a staff uh he's like it's not it's just any dude it's Vladimir Putin, right? I I gotta zoom in. Oh, here I'm gonna send you this. It looks more like a, uh, like a Vin Diesel to me, rather than Vladimir Putin. He's not as like big as Vin Diesel. He's got like a very. Yeah, he's got a very Charlottesville look about him. That's, that's, the, term, that's the term that I was looking for. Um, right. Yes, I see the, the girl in the background. She's see, um, so just sort this, of looking off into right. the distance. Yeah, so you remove these two characters from this thing, and we're in Mario Brothers, right? The, the art is clearly Mario Brothers. Yeah, this, this is not what I would expect from a magic the gathering art piece it's mario brothers art with fucking magazines cut out or heads cut out from magazines and pasted on cartoon bodies 
Like yeah, these hyper real no, this, faces. This art, this art isn't good. It's fucking but... terrifying. It's this has got to be the worst art in Magic history, right? No, this got to be worse. I, I this is got to be worse. This is my worst, bro. This is this is as low as you can go, in my opinion. Okay, so listeners, there has to be a worse card than this because this is bad, but this is not the worst. This so is uncanny. You're saying it is the worst. Uncanny I'm, Valley, bro. This is like. I'm saying it's not the worst. It's not good. It's not the worst. Oh, it's pretty bad. It's... All right, I gotta find. I gotta find one with worse artwork by next week. All right. All right, bro. I, so that's all the cards I think we wanted to discuss. Is there uh, anything else that you that you uh, had from the set that you want to talk about or? Nope, not, I think you hit everything that I wanted to talk about and more. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So basically, what do you think about this set in terms of power level relative to where we've been? Uh, I think other than the outliers at the top, other than the outliers at the top, um, it, it's lower. Yeah. So there are some cards that have like the ability to be absolutely broken, I think Luris is one of those cards that, like, is potentially just going to be a mistake. Yeah. I think the Trilands are good, but not broken. Right. I, I think that they 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 did a good job with those. Oh, I love those, yeah. Yep. Um, Absolutely. But I, I think the rest is sort of underwhelming. So the Trilands aren't going to, like, like revolutionize legacy mana bases. They're going to add to them. I think the power level is good. Luris is stupid. The companion mechanic is kind of stupid, yeah. But I think I think everything else is fine. I think Loris and the Kinnon Bonder Prodigy mm-hmm. are are the two potential mistakes, right? And yep. everything else I'm very comfortable with. And I, you know, I I felt the same way about Eldraine and uh, and Theros, though, right? That that it wasn't going to be that broken set like War of the Spark was. Yep. So we'll see what happens, right? Like maybe there's something that is a lot better than we think it is, but the only card that I'm I'm a little bit worried about are those two. Okay. Well, we got we got new patrons to shout out. Oh, because sweet. I yeah, we haven't uh we haven't talked about this in a while, so we got we got a bunch. The Jason Alt Patreon pitch. For the cost of one Starbucks Venti Frappuccino, you could give this podcast five dollars a month which is one dollar or one dollar and 25 cents an episode for that five dollars you could have access to i don't know i assume you guys have a discord maybe some stickers look i'm not well versed in the patreon perks but what i do know is that these two gentlemen are talking about a dead format and when you have a dead format you have to mourn that format and that is not free it takes money to mourn a dead format go to patreon.com slash the dead format give Dig deep for the cost of that unmasculine venti frappuccino that you drink on the way to the LGS and then ditch the cup underneath your seat so nobody sees you drinking it. You could contribute to a podcast that has given you so much. Discussions about who's the best goalie in the NHL. Whether you should hoard toilet paper. What is a squatty potty? You can't get these discussions anywhere else. Go to patreon.com slash the dead format give it's tax deductible is the season <laughs> that's awesome we did it yeah is working is absolutely working 
So thank you to David Seiler, James Whitehouse, who has been killing it on our Discord, posting pictures in the in the food channel of everything <laughs> he's cooking. And I want I want all of it. Like I don't know if it's his photography skills or like the cutting board with the stove and like his <laughs> choice of dishes, but he's he's killing it. Uh, also Cody Bauer and Tom Stanton. So thank you all. And if you want to take a look at our Patreon, it is patreon.com slash the dead format. Tom Stanton, I, I, I'm not positive this is the right dude, but I think it is. That's, uh, has good, has some good, uh, Twitter commentary on our, our episodes too. So it is absolutely, it is absolutely that one. All so right. he, he, the comment was last week's episode did not have enough of the things that people grew accustomed to from us. Okay. The, yep. And he's absolutely right. Yep. All right, bro. So yeah, so this, next, this might next be the soberest episode. Again. Yeah. I know like this, this was fun, but I don't know how it's going to be received. Right. Like, well, I feel th- like there's lots of people who listen to us to feel better about themselves. <laughs> Because of like how how we are as people, right? And I don't know if we gave them that today. Yeah, no, we didn't really have any controversy, right? There was no. Uh, I, I always feel like my contribution to the cast is like the hundred people that tune in wait for me to say something cancelable. So I, I I don't feel like I uh, I really added my. Uh, what would you say? Well, you you did you did refer to a song as the biggest pussy rap song. Oh, okay. History, true, and true. I was like, "Do you?" you really, I, I was thinking about whether I wanted, I wanted to comment on that, but have you ever heard it, Doctor's Advocate? Though, do you know what it is? It, it, the game. It was on his, his album that was also called Doctor's Advocate, and the song was just him apologizing to Doctor Dre for a perceived slight, and he brought in Busta Rhymes, who I think is his uncle, to also be like, "The kid didn't know what he was saying, Dre." <laughs> Like it was just the most fucking I no I did not know song. I did not know of that song. Oh my god, dude! It it was hilarious when that song came out. I remember. How can so, how can people get in touch with you? Oh yeah, if, uh, if they want to cancel you uh, at Ian eighteen one twenty five on Twitter. You can follow the cast at Dead Format Cast. Dead Format Cast at Gmail dot com, and if they want to find you on Twitter, uh, T Smiley MTG. All right, bro. That's a wrap.